Heavenly Father, uh, we, we are thankful that we can come together uh, as your people. We thank you that you have called us into a, a new family, uh, your family, uh, where we have brothers and sisters in Christ uh, who have a care for one another, who have the same inheritance, the same salvation. Uh, Lord, we thank you that, uh, that we can call upon you as our Father because of what Jesus has done on the cross to, to pay the price in full for our sin, past, present and future. Lord, we are so thankful as we're reminded the one who will stand before us as our judge is also the one who's known everything we've ever done and anything we ever will do. So we can stand before you with confidence. Lord, we are aware of how far we fall short on a daily basis to live up to the high standard of the gospel. Lord, stir within us that we might earnestly seek to grow closer to you and to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. We thank you for the discomfort we've had throughout this series as we've been challenged in many ways as we've looked at the fruit of the Spirit and what it looks like to have Christ-like character in our own lives. Uh, But at the same time, we give you praise and thanks that all of these things that we've been challenged on are things that by your Holy Spirit that you can work in the life of your believer. You have made them available to every single one of us who belong to you. So Lord, we pray that we might grow in these things and we might learn from your word this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm pretty new to the, the parenting thing, but you notice that as parents, even in just two years, you think life changes. Remember last week, Chad McCall and Steph in their premarital counselling, there was a question on their questionnaire thing with millions of questions that I made them do. Uh, there was a question of, do you think having children will change your life? And they, they said, yes. Things are very different. You you end up having to commit a lot of things and do lots of things for them. The other day, Sarah had a very special moment. I I missed out. Miller said to Sarah, Mummy, you're special. Don't parents just love to hear it when someone appreciates and gives thanks for all they've done for them? As parents, you do invest a lot into your kids all the way till the time they leave home and often well and truly after, it spends a lot of your time and energy. But sometimes, I reckon parents probably feel really underappreciated. And usually the main reason for that is that the children do not express it, whether they feel it or not. I've often been challenged by that with regards to encouragement. I like to think of myself as an encouraging person. But then I realise one thing. Thinking nice things about people isn't encouraging them. They don't realise it. In the same way, thinking that you're thankful about someone doesn't encourage them or express your thankfulness to them any more than actually getting to them and saying them. But our motive, and we do these things, just like in all the things that we've been looking at, shouldn't be because we're going to get a nice reaction, but because this is who we are called to be and what we are called to do. But with the parenting analogy, I'm sure there's many parents, or people, not just parents, who feel or presume they're not appreciated because no one's ever told them. So this is our last in the series of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, If you're visiting and you think, I've memorised the verse on the fruit of the Spirit, I've never seen thankfulness in there. Um, In verse 23 it says, and things such as these gives us an indication that God does not just require nine things in our lives, but it is the character of Christ being worked through Christians by the power of his Holy Spirit. There are similar lists 
like this one in, in Colossians 3 and Ephesians 4 that we've looked at throughout the series. One of the things that we've emphasised throughout this is that if we desire to bear fruit, bearing fruit doesn't come just from pursuing or chasing after those things, but bearing fruit is the result of a healthy tree. It is the result, like if we said, if we wanted apples in our backyard, our primary pursuit isn't just apples, but our primary pursuit is buying a tree, looking after it, and out of looking after the right things comes the fruit. And so in that sense, we've spoken about bearing spiritual fruit comes from a deep personal relationship with Jesus Christ. As we see the things that he wants, we're talking about it's his character. We need to know what his character is. We need to love him. We need to want to develop his character and we need the empowering of his spirit to to demonstrate such character. Today, what we're looking at is why should we be thankful? When should we be thankful? And what are some of the things or examples the biblical writers give in terms of what they give thanks for. And then we'll just wrap up the series. Firstly, why should we be thankful? Imagine living under Old Testament times. I am someone who under Old Testament laws would be considered unclean because of a skin condition I have. But imagine if you had something like leprosy and you're living under Old Testament times. Not only was the sickness bad, but the implications and the rules that governed what you could and couldn't do made it even more unpleasant. Like the description we see here in Leviticus is, the leprous person who has a disease shall wear torn clothes, shall let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside of the camp. Imagine that. You'd be down enough about the fact that you're unwell and you've got this disease. Then you need to almost like announce it to the world by the way that you look that you don't even need to say a word and you need to announce it verbally, unclean, so people know, stay away from me. And it says, and they must live alone. On a daily basis, that would be extremely difficult. Dealing with both the sickness, but more so the, the, just the way that you get looked down upon and the social isolation. So in the reading that we had at the beginning from Luke chapter 17, we see Jesus interacting with 10 men who were in that position, who had leprosy, and as a result were looked down upon by society and had to keep themselves separate. Remember when they saw Jesus, they say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So they've learned and they've grown up so long thinking, I cannot be in the presence of someone as holy and pure as Jesus. When you look through the description of those verses, you don't see Jesus actually saying, you're going to be healed or you're healed. He just says, go show yourself to a priest. In other words, in the twinkling of eye, they leprosy had healed and they said, good, you're ready, go see a priest. Because under the Old Testament rules that you were considered unclean until such point you had been inspected by a priest, then they would declare that you were clean, then you were allowed to get back into social life. Imagine that transformation. Just in a, in a twinkling of an eye, you go from being having this disease that has crippled you and had all sorts of impacts on your life, and you've been totally cast aside and isolated, and straight away in one second, Jesus says, off you go, go see your priest. Both of you have lost your sickness. And secondly, you can now be that part of normal society. 
You'd think you'd be pretty happy about that, wouldn't you? But as we read through those verses, 10 of them were healed. One of them comes back and gives, gives thanks for it. Can you imagine that? If someone was going to get hit by a truck and you saved and they just kept on walking, didn't even look back say, thanks. You'd be horrified, wouldn't you? Yet these guys who, on a daily basis, have a reminder of what Jesus has done as they realise they don't have a disease, when they are now able to go and do things they were never able to do before, yet only one gave thanks. And we might think we we'd be, should be outraged about that. That Jesus had done so much to turn their life around and they didn't give thanks. But could we be equally guilty of being unthankful for Jesus? I don't think too many of us have had leprosy. We may have had different sicknesses. Some of them we may still have. But we were once spiritually in a far worse state than any of these lepers were. The Bible doesn't describe us as being spiritually sick before we came to salvation, but spiritually dead. The words of Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 are this, You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he has loved us, even while we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Now this is a far greater miracle, not just a healing of a particular sickness. We've been brought from spiritual death to spiritual life in right relationship with God, declared righteous, promised an eternal inheritance with him. We've got a lot to give thanks for. Now, just as much as the lepers had something they could tangibly see on a daily basis that they should have reason to give thanks, that their disease was gone and that they could do certain things, on a daily basis we have the promises of God. We have the promises of that, that relationship with him. We have the promises of an eternity with him. But how often do we, re- on a now that we've journeyed on a bit more in our Christian faith, do we still give thanks for God's work of salvation and what he has done for us? Or is that just something we were really keen and eager to do in the early days? Do we give thanks for him as we see him transforming us, making us more like Jesus Christ? Or do we get to a point where we think, that's just what Jesus does? And we forget to give thanks. Because if we are genuinely thankful for his provision, and he does provide for us daily basis, every minute, then we should be thankful on a, on a regular basis. Look at the way Paul speaks to, in, in Athens as the people are gathered in Acts chapter 17. Just to give you a bit of an indication of how much God provides for us. And the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. That's a pretty good summary, isn't it? Life, breath and everything. So you can't go through today and say Jesus hasn't given you anything. 
And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. God gives us life, breath and everything. Or as James put it in James 1.17, he is, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Heavenly Father. There's nothing that we have in this world that God has not given us. Everything we have is a gracious gift from God and it is right that we give him thanks. Now we're pretty good at acknowledging the big things, aren't we? Like if we did have a big major disease and we were healed like that, we probably would give thanks for that. But sometimes we're not so quick to give thanks in little things, are we? When was the last time, say for example, you gave thanks for the, for the abilities that you have, for the job that you've got? Or you gave thanks for the health that you've got? Have you ever noticed when people pray about health, it tends to be when, they, when there's something wrong with it? I can't think of the last time I've heard someone pray in a positive sense about their health. But it says something quite unhealthy about our view of God if we only bring things before him in prayer when there's something wrong with them. There's something sort of arrogant about that that says, I don't give thanks because, let's face it, I deserve all of God's good things. But when something's wrong, God better fix it. Now, that's certainly not say don't bring your prayer request before God. We're called to do that and told to do that. But we are also called to give thanks. Sometimes we're slow to acknowledge God's provision and it's not a new concept. You see, back even in the Old Testament, the reminder that you be careful, that you don't forget who your God is and what he's done. In Deuteronomy 8, it says, Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rule and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full you have built good houses to live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your hearts be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Now we see that constantly throughout the Old Testament, don't we? God's saying, I am the one who brought you out of Egypt. Remember what I've done for you. Yet how quick we forget what he has given us. And it goes on to say, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do good in the end. Beware lest you say in my heart, my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is to that day. We're pretty good at taking credit for God's work, aren't we? Thinking, hey, look how far I've come along in my Christian life. Even sometimes we might think, look about this person, they haven't reached my maturity. It is God who's brought you from any state from where you were to where you are now. He's the, rather than that being something to boast in, that's something to pour out thanksgiving to God for. Have you ever wondered, noticed that when you're at a mealtime, 
if you don't say grace, people just like stare at you like you're weird, like you've committed the unforgivable sin. You didn't say grace and someone's had a mouthful. Yet the same people wouldn't care less if you didn't pray at other times. Have you ever wondered why we even give thanks before meals? Just routines, what mum and dad did? I think it's a reminder that God has provided us our most basic needs in our food and drink, give thanks to him for his most basic provisions in order that might develop an attitude of thankfulness to give thanks to him in all things. So if, if your point is you give thanks for your, for your three meals a day and then you don't thank you for anything else, you've probably missed the point. Often happens around the dinner table that a little child might say, Mummy, why do we pray before we eat? And she says, Dad cooked tonight. Or she might say, the Bible said so. Or this is what Christians do. But I think we are called to give thanks in their most basic provisions in order to establish an attitude that gives him thanks for all of his wonderful provisions for us. We should be able to give thanks just for, for the life that we have, for the food that we have, the fact that we live in a house, the fact that we have clothes. We should be thankful. We should acknowledge where all of our good things have come from. And I'm going to go so controversial, say to be lacking in thankfulness is sin. And I'm going to give a reason why I think that. And not only do I think it is a sin, now that doesn't, I better clarify here, I'm not saying if you forget to thank God for one little thing that you're in deep sin, but if your attitude of thankfulness is not there, then it is. Because the Bible calls us to be thankful. It is a command of God. We're even told that it is the will of God that we give thanks in all circumstances. So if we rebel against the command of God, that makes a fair case for it being sinful. What does Paul say to the Ephesians? Giving thanks always and for everything. Isn't that an inconvenient verse? You want to, you know, when you want to put up your hand and say, what about this? And it says, all things, every, all times. And the reason why we give thanks for all things and all times is because all things, where do they come from? They come from God. Colossians 3 is a passage we've looked at a number of times because it's very similar to Galatians 5 in terms of talking about the producing godly character. And after it goes through a list of a number of things. It says this from verse 14. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called into one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with, in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual thongs. Songs, not thongs. I don't believe. Anyone got spiritual thongs? <laughs> no, okay. With thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Inconvenient again. Again, it's telling us to be giving thanks in all things. But did you notice too? It even talked about in your songs, in your singing with thankfulness. Sometimes when we come together as a church and we sing together, it can be a little bit like, saying, saying, giving thanks before a meal, it becomes a routine that comes out of our mouth and the heart's really not in it. But when we come together and we sing things, we shouldn't be thinking, I praise you, God. 
you've saved me. I don't believe their words to a particular song. But we should be overcome with thanksgiving and we should be thinking with a thankful heart. When we sing together, it's not just so that we can stretch our legs or as sometimes I've heard it said, we'll sing a song so that we're all alert for the sermon so we don't fall asleep. We're singing out of our gratitude and our worship of the God. So when I say unthankfulness is a sin, not only because it doesn't carry out the demands of the Bible it calls us to, but in Romans 1 when Paul gives us a picture of what unrighteousness looks like, he says this, now this is moving on from the part in verse 18 where it says, the wrath of God is against all unrighteousness. From verse 20 it says, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they're without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honour him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So Paul says, the central nature of what sin looks like is failing to give God the honour as God and to give him thanks. It should characterise people who are outside of a relationship with God, not people who have been called into a relationship with his God. Same as Paul's time as it is today, where God is not honoured and not given the thanks to which he is due, there will always be a necessary moral decline. And you know what? We make it worse. If as Christians we do not express an honour of God or a thankfulness to God, then everyone else thinks, well, clearly he's not worthy of it. And that's not an impression we want to give. What we're called to do, as we saw there, to give thanks always for everything. But when should we give thanks? I mean, always for everything is a pretty good summary. But you think, life's tricky. Not everything in my life it seems like something I want to give thanks for. Why on earth can the Bible say give thanks always and for everything? Surely there's some things in my life that aren't worth giving thanks for. What if you've lost your job? Miles behind on loan repayments? Don't know how you're going to get food on the table. Hey, how do you give thanks in all things and everything? in those situations. And then what's even harder is that we're told in First Thessalonians, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Now everyone always says, I want to know what the will of God is. Well, here's part of it. He wants us to give thanks in all circumstances. Good stuff and the bad stuff. But how and why do you give thanks for God when things just look rotten? How could that be God's will for me to give him thanks when I'm in deep pain or things are hurting or things just aren't working out? We've visited Romans 8 many times during this series. It says, and we know, not and we hope, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, this is the promise of God. He is working all things for good. That's why we can give thanks for them, because he is using them, whether good or bad, to produce something good. We've pointed out where it says, who are called according to his purpose. Verse 29 tells us what that purpose is. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. 
So he's working all things for our good for that purpose of making us more like Christ. That's why we can give thanks in all things because good things and bad things, we give thanks because God is using those things, even the difficult things, to make us more like Christ. That's what he's promised to us. If we desire to become more like Christ, then we should desire and be thankful for whatever means God uses to do that. So much easier to come out of my mouth than it is to put in practice, I realise that. But the truth is, most of this fruit that we've been looking at requires hardship for, it to be, for us to grow in it. Did anyone have a really difficult week? The week we did patience and you prayed for patience? The way we grow in these things is to have them tested and we don't like getting tested. But as we give thanks to God for all things, we do so because that's an expression that we genuinely believe him at his word when he says that he's going to work all things for our good to make us more like Christ. That is what genuine believing faith looks like, to trust God at his word even when our circumstances or our feelings do not give us any indication as to why we should. And I don't mean just say it like begrudgingly, oh, thank you God for this, because you reckon you're going to make something good out of it. But to do it from the heart, to be genuinely thankful, to stand firmly upon his promises, that he's working them, whether we can see how or not, all things for our good to make us more like Christ. So we've already seen that we need to give thanks always for everything, but what types of things do we see in the scriptures? What do the biblical writers tend to give thanks for? I reckon if you did a search throughout the Bible of, of thanks or, or thanksgiving, you'd be surprised the things that come up and how different they look to our own lists. When I looked through did a search throughout the whole scriptures, the, the main things were these. Giving thanks to God for his steadfast love occurs 20 times. 13 of those in the Psalms giving thanks for God's wonderful deeds or making himself known five times. Or you could summarise, the two kind of go together. The majority of biblical thanksgiving is for the character of God and for God's actions, which are an expression of God's character. How often do we actually stop to think and give thanks to God for his character? Not, not just what he's doing for us, for who he is how he has acted in the past, how he has acted in the lives of others. Giving thanks for who he is, even when those things don't specifically for our benefit. Imagine this scenario. I decided one night that I was going to be really nice to Sarah, that's my wife if, if you're visiting, and, and I said, Sarah said, Steve, why do you love me? The question every husband hates getting asked in case they get it wrong. And I say, because you make a pretty good Thai chicken curry. Um, and all these other cool things. <laughs> I sh you should write notes. But if I listed a list of things, what would be her impression? She'd say, okay, so you like the things I do. Do you love me? Think about that. When we, when we pray and give thanks to God so often, we give thanks to God for things that could because we benefit from them. 
And like we laugh at the idea that we would just say things about Sarah, the things that she does, and not express anything about her that we love. It's no, no less shocking, or even more shocking, you should say, than when all we give thanks to God is for the things that personally benefit us and not for him, himself. So in our prayer time this morning, we had a, a, a real focus on praying and giving thanks to God uh, for his character and his actions. The other thing you'll notice is you look through the New Testament, it is extremely rare, as the writers give thanks, that they give thanks for something for themselves. To give you just a couple of examples, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-seven. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians, but thanks be to God who in Christ leads us in a triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. So not only does the writers tend to give thanks for what, is, what he has done for collectively for Christians, but often the way they write, they give thanks for God's work in the life of others, not specifically involved in themselves. Romans 6, But thanks be to God that you, who were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Or well, Second Thessalonians, We ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers, as it is right, because your faith is growing abundantly. And the love of every one of you and everyone is increasing. Now, it is right to give thanks to God for the th- personal benefits that, that He's done, all the things He's done for us. But we also need to be reminded to give thanks for God for who He is, but also, too, what He is doing in the lives of others. So, over three months, we've probably been looking at the, the fruit of the Spirit. We did look at things outside of the nine things listed in Galatians 5. We did look at compassion a number of weeks ago. We looked at thankfulness. I was going to do one on humility, but I forgot to, to put it in the thing, so you'll just have to read that one yourself. But one passage we've looked at a number of times, and I just want to draw our attention to it. We've even had it read this morning. Back from Colossians 3. A similar passage. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, Kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you are called into one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We've mentioned so many times we talk about producing fruit. Get close in your relationship with Jesus. And notice in these verses when it's calling the people to, to Christ-like characters, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now you notice like in Psalm 119 where it says, how does a young man keep his way pure by storing your word in my heart? If we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit being the characteristic of God on display in the life of his people, you need to get to know what God is like. You won't become Christ-like if you don't know what Christ is like. So we need to know what he has revealed himself, how he's revealed himself in the word. 
It's only through dwelling on his word that we will see the nature of our sin, what things that still belong to our fleshly nature, what things we are to be pursuing. And as a, out of a deep love for him, we would want to get to know him more. We'd w- want to do the things that are pleasing to him. I'd like to finish as we have various times over the last number of weeks as a time to stop and reflect and, and pray before God. Chance to do that quietly where you are to give thanks, particularly to give thanks for who God is, particularly some of his character. Give thanks for what he is doing, what he has provided you with. And that he would um, cultivate an attitude of thankfulness in your life. And then I'll close this off. So just take some time to give thanks for God and his provisions at at the moment. Heavenly Father, we confess at times we are uh, sometimes so self-absorbed that we start to take for granted all the things that you have done for us and you are doing in our lives, as though somehow we, we deserve it or that we've earned it ourselves. Uh, Lord, we thank you that because your character is unchanging, what we read in the scriptures is true of how you relate to your people today and how you always relate to your people. Because you are unchanging, we can even be so bold to to give thanks for our most difficult circumstances, knowing that as perplexing as it seems to us, you are using those things to bring about something for our benefit and to make us more like Christ. Help us to be thankful and to welcome both the good and difficult things in our life, that they might achieve your good purposes that we might be able to give thanks in all circumstances as you've told it is your will that we do. Lord, we thank you most of all for what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. Firstly, you never needed to create a people. And secondly, you never needed to, to make a way of salvation when we messed it up, but you did. We couldn't do it. We were spiritually dead and unable to make ourselves right in your sight. But out of your grace and your compassion upon a lost people, you sent Jesus Christ into the world to pay the price for our sin and to rise again. And we thank you for all that we have and all that we will have and all you are doing within our lives through the good and the bad. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.